How are we doing, Jim? All right. Now, I'm going to apologize in advance. Jim has no experience covering my mistakes. <laughs> and here's Rick. <laughs> No, but he, he's a, he's a, he at least, he at least knows a mistake when he hears one. <laughs> no offense, Jim. <laughs> it's so good to see you all this morning. Great to be here. Kim, do we have an end right or no? Oh, I, no, I, that's I next week. No worries. No worries, it'll be, it'll, it, it will, will be there, and if you wanted to uh, do an introduction to it, that would be wonderful. Yeah, we still have anything worked up, up yet. I want to make sure it's in the bulletin before we started. Okay, no worries. Please. Okay, we're going to, uh, we're trying something a little different. Uh, we announced that last week, but we'll remind you again. Um, the announcements are in your bulletin, um, so we're going to hold you guys accountable for reading them <laughs> um, so that we can save a little time, or we're going to read them actually in the, in the gym, I'm sorry, during coffee hour. So if you're not at coffee hour, please read your announcements. There's a lot going on in this church. Um, also, any prayers or praise, please use the prayer cards. Uh, those will be available with the ushers if you need to write one down, and, and that's really our best way to get those in the, um, in the announcements as well. They're orange back there. Sheila's got them. Um, it just ensures that we're getting the correct information for you in, in the bulletin. So please fill those out if you would. Well, I think we got one we got to say before people leave. Uh, Wednesday... Um, we've got 100 pounds of squash coming in, and the women that did the squash last week are exhausted, and they want some men to come in, and not just me, but we're going to need more than that so that we can slice the squash up so that it can be cooked. So if we can get some more men besides me here on Wednesday, I think we're starting at 10? Or 9. It's 9. Lucy said I don't. Well... Yeah, if, you, if you're here by 10, you'll definitely put to work. If you can come a little earlier, I'll probably be here at 9. But we need some men, so I don't want to be the only one. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to start um, this week off with our message um, for our Discipleship Equals Stewardship campaign. Uh, last week, you heard a great deal about the history of Clinton United Methodist Church. From Luann. And I hope that you took some time to read over what was passed out and really get a good feel for just how long this church has been here. Um, and everything that has happened in this world since we've been here. From the horse and buggy days to the station houses to this beautiful building that we're in right now, that we get to worship mm -hmm. in every week. And praise God 
and love everyone that's here. This week, for our Discipleship Equals Stewardship campaign, we are going to focus on the accomplishments of our church. The first and a very important accomplishment that I feel is the longevity. Methodism is a group of historically related denominations of Protestant Christianity whose origins, doctrines, and practice derive from the life and teachings of John Wesley back in the 1700s. They were named Methodist for the methodical way in which they carried out their Christian faith. And today, there are more than 80 million Methodists worldwide. Isn't it amazing to think that we were here in the early 18th century, all those many, many years ago, in this little old town of Clinton? That's, that's just incredible to me. And I think it's something that we need to be very, very proud of. So we have to ask ourselves, do we want to continue the mission work that John Wesley started? I think we do. I think that's all in our hearts. In addition to evangelism, Methodism emphasizes charity and support for the sick, the poor, and the afflicted through acts of mercy. The Methodist Church teaches that the works of mercy are a means of grace, which lead to holiness and aid in sanctification. So let's take a few minutes to explore the gifts that we have given to God and the graces that God has given to us. Shortly, you will be given a list of accomplishments from 2017 to 2022. Keep in mind, that is only six years of the 190 years plus that we've been in existence. Can you imagine just how long that list would be if we went all the way back? There's a lot there. You're going to be surprised. It's a testimony of the gifts and the graces that have come directly from all of you and from our ancestors before. We've been working hard for 190 years. And it's a reminder of just what this church has to offer and has done to serve our most gracious Lord by taking care of our own people and those in our community. When I looked over this list, one of the first things that popped out at me was just how much healing has gone on in and around us. And I would give praise to all of you because I know that you are faithful and diligent in your prayers. Isn't that a sign that God is hearing us? I think Amen. it is. Amen. The next thing that came to me as I looked over the list was that of hope. We have provided hope not only to members of our church, but to area families when they have faced very difficult times. Just last year, we stepped up and helped a woman who was hit up here on US-12. Single mom, two kids. That's us. We're helping. When I was handed this assignment, 
and was reviewing this list that Sheila so graciously put together. Thank you, Sheila. It became abundantly clear at just how much this church means to the Clinton community. We have the only facility big enough to handle large funerals, and we have been called upon many times from families and from the local funeral directors. Could you please host this for us? Because we know it's going to be a big one. And we do every time. Because our facility is barrier-free. There's not too many churches in Clinton because of their age as well that can offer that. We can, and we do. It, the barrier-free helps it, so when we have our blood drives, what about our food pantry patrons? Maybe they could use that too. There's just lots of people that need. I have a grandson. When he comes, he needs that barrier-free. It's important these days. We also provide fellowship with our, with our Bible studies, with our craft shows, our rummage sales, groups and clubs that meet here. We give to our schools. We've given to our library and to so many people that have been given one of our prayer quilts. Think of all that work. Who's going to do it if we're not here? This is important, people. It takes a great deal of time and money to keep this building open. But in my opinion, it's imperative and it is very necessary for this church not only to survive, but to thrive in the future. God is with us. He wants us to be here in Clinton. And he wants us to continue his work. And we need to continue being a beacon of light for Clinton. The question then becomes, do we want to keep our programs going and our doors open in the hope that people are going to just come in? I think that the experience over the last 20 years has taught us that church is changing. People aren't reaching out. So maybe it's time for us to make a little change. Rather than seeing the people in our community as our salvation, let's turn it around. Let's be the salvation to the people in the community. Let's help them through these hard times and walk with them with love and teach them about Jesus Christ. A congregation that is truly being church brings people into a loving, life-giving relationship with God and others that transforms where covenant relationships model the best aspects of family, providing hope, 
a sense of belonging and where forgiveness is extended and received. There is purpose and direction and we learn to live with appreciation and joy no matter what circumstances are present. So please, in the coming weeks as we share all of this information with you, take time to sit down and reflect and listen and hear what God is calling you for. It is the hope of your ad board and your finance committee that you will truly see the value in Clinton United Methodist Church. That we can go beyond the fear of dying and have an increased longing for life. Can we continue to help people experience God and live the gospel message of life and hope? I believe we can. I believe that's why we're all sitting here. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Okay, we just go ahead with a call to worship then. Okay, uh, stand if you are able and join me for the call to worship. Here we are, O oh God. You, you have, have called, called us and we have come. come. So, so we, we are here to worship, to listen to what, to what you have to say to us, to give thanks for what you have done for us, and to share with you and each other the joy that you've given us. Help us to make good use of our time together. Amen. And if you'll join me now, our first hymn, number 139, Praise to the Lord the Almighty.
men, before you sit down, <laughs> greet someone with a smile and a kind word. Help them feel good about being here. Okay. It's kind of getting them. Well, well, yes. Good morning. <laughs> oh, I love you, Rowdy Bunch. Um, as we go to prayer this morning, there are some for us to. Uh, remember that did not make um, the prayer list. Um, remember Kelly Smith's dad, George. Okay. Remember the family of George Fisher. That's um, that's Dottie's dad who who died. And then um, remember. The family of Katie Dorr. Okay. She died yesterday morning. And um, it was, I found it interesting, Lisa, that you mentioned what you did as part of your comments because the congregation's working with the Dorr family so that funeral can be here. So. Um, I would appreciate it if you would remember my wife and me on Wednesday morning. She's having a hip replacement. And um, I know that we've had a number of people, um, friends and acquaintances who've gone through totally extraordinary, unexpected, not good things. Okay, I cannot imagine going on vacation and being attacked by a crocodile. Um, but that has happened amongst our number. And so, um, as, we go, as we go to prayer, be the touchstone. Okay? Be the place where, for the moment, God resides and these are presented to God. I'm going to do a little story. Okay? And the story is this a fellow alum of the seminary that I graduated from, his name is Keith Miller. And for a while, he was a well recognized. Um, religious writer, and um, 
he and his family went through some really bad times. Family got alienated from each other. Keith and his wife divorced. He and Keith and his oldest daughter got to the place where they wouldn't even talk to each other anymore. And there was a baptism. And they both went to the baptism. And after the baptism, there was a small reception. It worked out that Keith's daughter was standing just in front of him in line to get food. And he said, I don't know the reason for it, but I said, girl, I quit praying for you. And his daughter said, I know, Dad, and it's working. Then he explained, I quit using words. I would just go to God and I would cry. And I would bring her with me. I think we can do that. We have so many people in our lives in so many places. And when we think about them, all we can do is cry. That's the most serious kind of prayer, folks. Now I'll do some words. Our blessed Jesus... Scripture tells us you knew how to cry. The two times that the New Testament talks about it was you were at Lazarus' tomb and the other one was when you were looking over the city of Jerusalem. You know what it means to be torn up the way we're torn up. You understand. Oh Lord, you know the names that are on our prayer list. You know, oh Lord, the people that show up on prayer chain. Beyond knowing, Lord Jesus, you are reaching out and you are working all things together for good, even though we can't sort it out yet. Take us, O oh Lord. Take these people that are on our hearts and on our minds. And, O oh Lord, transform us all into the kingdom of God where there's no sickness, no pain, no death. We pray for that kingdom every time we join our voices together in the words you taught us to say. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Could we take just a moment to listen to God in silence for he speaks in his turn during prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, if you'll join me for our contemporary psalm. Oh, God, right. we, we are, are at, at the, the beginning, beginning of another, another week. week. You, you know, know how busy, busy your world and our lives get. Sometimes, Sometimes it is hard to keep our heads. heads. Sometimes, Sometimes vacation never seems to come. come. And, and when in it what does come, it goes too fast, and, and we are still, still exhausted. Hear us in our trouble. O life-giving stream, refresh us with living water in this dry and thirsty land. Renew us with a big portion of your strength, your courage, and your confidence. Give us a little spice in life. Help us really enjoy, enjoy the world you have given us. Lighten our darkness, open our eyes, and restore our joy. Rekindle our amazement at your creative genius and saving goodness. We are a needy people. We come to you confident that you can supply our every need from the riches of your kingdom. We, we offer you all our prayers and praise. Amen. Now, if you'll stand for the glory.
the Lord looks down and loves us all. I mean, that, that says it right there. the children come please That song doesn't get too boring for you because I, I remember it from when I was your age and I loved to sing it. How are you doing? You holding up? I know a lot's going on. Yeah. The big people making you crazy? Still? Okay. Big people making you crazy. Yeah. No two ways about it. Isn't it something how big people have the knack for doing that? And at the most unexpected times. Uh, I have something to show you. I think. <laughs> 
The magic hat is deep today. <sighs> Do you know what that is? You're close. Close. Okay. Close. All right. There's two things I want to say to you. Okay. One is Jesus is always listening. Okay. When I got here this morning at the church, I didn't know what I was going to do. And for some reason, I walked up to the railroad track. And this was laying next to the rail. This is a railroad spike. You know, we travel our world mostly in cars. Well, in the good old days, okay, before cars, there were horses and horses and buggies, and there were trains that run on rails. Every railroad tie has four of these nailed into it. Okay? To hold the rail in place. Mm-hmm, a lot of them. Is that the first time you've ever seen one? Mm, you've probably seen them before, just didn't think about it, right? Okay. It's hard to imagine that something like this kept the world running. Okay. And it's hard to imagine it, okay? But God can use you to help keep the world running. I don't know exactly what that will look like. I know that somehow it will happen. And it's important for you to always remember when God says, this is how I want you to help hold the world together, you listen. Okay? I'm not sure what it'll look like. It may be easy, it may be hard. You've already had things in your life that are easy and things that are hard. Okay. This made sure that people got to where they were going safely. God will somehow use you to make sure that people get to his kingdom safely. Okay? 
You won't be alone. God will love you. God will help you. Don't ever forget that. Okay? Can we have a prayer? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you that you know what we are going to do. Thank you that you won't leave us alone to do it. And you will give us the heart and the mind and the strength to do what you want us to do. Love us, but your love shine through us. Hear our prayer. Amen. Now, I know that I have noisemakers. And I also know that I need help because guess what? It's, no, it's noisy offering Sunday. Yay. So help folks make noise.
Amen. Amen. And Martha, I don't think we had to tell them. I think they were walking with Jesus. thank you. We thank you that we are blessed. We thank you that we can share the blessings. Take us, take what we give. Use all for the glory of the kingdom of God. Hear our prayer. Amen. Hymn of preparation for this morning is number 64. Son, you may be seated. The scripture for this morning is taken from the gospel according to Mark, 
and I'll be reading from verse 19 through verse 23. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. He said to him, that is to Jesus, Teacher, I have kept all of these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There are occasions that it amazes me. No, wait a minute. Restart. Notice the door? No? You didn't see the door, did you? This is the next sermon without words. Okay. Hopefully, hopefully it's speaking to you already. Now, we'll... we'll We'll try a restart. There are occasions that it amazes me and troubles me that we who say we're Christians can be so extremely selective in what we allow ourselves to experience in the way of the living word of God. In the case of Holy Scripture, which is one of several ways of experiencing the living word of God, Most of us who consider ourselves Christians almost never read it. There were studies that were done decades ago, and the study said the Bible is the most frequently owned, least read book in the world. When we do read it, mostly we only read the parts that we've heard about before, we easily understand, we agree with, or otherwise find unchallenging. And too often, our excursions into Holy Scripture amount to a, a brief foray to find a verse or even a few words that seem to support our preconceived notions. Rarely, if ever, do we immerse ourselves intellectually, emotionally, or spiritually in Holy Scriptures so that we can deeply experience it and be transformed by it. We are not people given to meditation, a focus and calming of ourselves to listen to the living word. So 
Sunday morning coffee with Mike this morning, I said to the folk that were there, you want to change the quality of your life? Start with a deep breath and then count your breath to 25. Be sure you're sitting down. <laughs> that was an excellent observation. <laughs> okay? It can be a life changer. It slows us down. It gives us focus. When we do those two things, our life changes, usually for the better. The result of our neglect is we are glaringly superficial in our discipleship and do little more than lip service to Jesus, who we claim is the risen one. Lip service to the gospel that he both lived and preached as well as to the kingdom of God that we say we believe is within reach. We're supposed to be waiting for that kingdom with great excitement and expectation. The first couple hundred years of Christianity, you know how Christians greeted one another? It only appears in Scripture once. The greeting was Maranatha. In Greek, it means, come, Lord Jesus. That was how they said hello. It's how they said goodbye. If Jesus didn't come today, he's going to come tomorrow. So there's nothing to worry about. When we are even a little bit honest with ourselves and others, we have to confess that we are much more children of our time, children of our society, our culture, our politics, our economics, our human experience, than we are children of God. Rather than being distinctive by heeding Jesus' call to us to follow him, too often we are simply mean. Mean has a very specific definition in modern English that it means nasty. You are mean. Okay? When the King James Bible was translated, mean meant your average. which makes one wonder if being nasty is really the average. Mean meant non-distinct average like everybody else. Specifically, we, like the people around us, build our identity and gauge our level of success based on what we've done, what we own, who we know, and who knows us. 
we, like the people around us, all too often do not have within ourselves the blessed assurance that we have eternal life and the kingdom of God. I was sharing with the, um, the Sunday morning coffee people that John Wesley and his brother Charles were looking for that blessed assurance. They knew all about Jesus in their heads. What they were looking was for was something that said in their heart, God loves me. The scripture for this morning deals with Jesus' rather hurried meeting with someone who may be exactly like you and me. The meeting in the Gospels is described here in Mark 10. It's also described in Matthew 19, verses 16 following, in Luke 18, verses 18 following, and John 3, verse 1 following. Mark's the bare bones version. Jesus is leaving on a journey when a man ran up to him and knelt before him. That was an act of humility and respect, awe. The conversation brings with, or begins with a brief and ambiguous exchange that many often argue about as to what it really means. You'll notice that I've avoided it. The conversation then turns to the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And notice where Jesus starts. You know the commandments. The man answered, I sure do. Okay, another way to translate this is, yep, I know them. I've done those things from my youth ever since I bar mitzvahed. I've done those things. That's the age of accountability, bar mitzvah. Mark says that Jesus loved this person with self-transcending love, agape love, the kind that we've talked about before. This is one of the few times I could only find two the other is the apostle Jesus loved in John. The word is used to describe Jesus in relationship to another individual. It doesn't get used very often. This is one of the few times. It's based on this love that Jesus says, you lack one thing. Hmm. When my wife says something is amiss, when she looks at me, the first thing I do is I wipe my mouth. Because usually that's the place where she starts. <laughs> you got something hanging. 
You lack one thing. Generally, the focus here is put on the literal meaning of sell what you have, give to the poor, follow me. However, it seems that there's much more than the literal meaning here. Jesus, yes, said and meant those words literally. However, it seems that Jesus meant more. Considering what is said about Jesus' love for this person, it seems likely that Jesus is also saying, I love you, the real you. The seeker you. The you that knows that there's more somewhere. The you that wants the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, I'm not interested in what you've owned, what you've achieved, your role or status in society. I'm not interested in any of the baggage that you carry, what you use to give meaning and direction to your life. I love you and you are all I want with me, not the other stuff. A lot of baggage has been put on on these verses, including intense discussion about Jesus trying to say that things are evil here. I don't see it, I don't hear it. Jesus wasn't talking about material things being evil. If they were, would Jesus tell the man to infect the lives of other people with evil by selling and giving away everything? Is that a fair question? Jesus is telling this person, who you are has nothing to do with anything you have done or own. It has to do with your fundamental relationship and the blessed assurance of the kingdom of God. No doubt as we would, The person only heard Jesus say, divest, distribute, follow. The Greek text makes it clear that the man's face fell, went gloomy. Okay. The word used there is is like a Greek weather forecast. Okay. His face went like the weather goes before a storm. Then the Greek says that he went away, and there's numerous ways to to turn the word there, okay? He went away in sorrow, he went away in pain, okay? I could only find one other place where that word is used. It is used to describe Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. This was no little thing for this guy. He was torn up.
The easy thing to do is to conclude that the guy was just too greedy to give up his stuff and follow Jesus. However, Jesus was not one who attracted greedy people. He was not one who was attracted to people who worship things. Jesus saw something in this guy. If not greed, what's going on here? Could it possibly have been that the man who came to Jesus confused what he owned and what he had already achieved as a religious person who is seeking God with who he really was? And then to have the master teacher say, nope, I want you. I want the real you. Leave the junk behind. Could it be that this person got his only sense of identity from property, role, status, and being good? Could it be that he was pained not because of greed, but because he could not believe he had a meaningless life until that moment? That he could have meaningfulness, a value, a worth, other than what he owned or what he had achieved. Could it be that Jesus' challenge to go and sell everything, give to the poor, and to follow Jesus meant more than giving up things to this person? It meant giving up his only sense of self and worth. Now for the really hard question. 2,000 years later, how are you and I any different from that guy who ran up to Jesus so long ago. When we run to Jesus today, the situation really hasn't changed except in a few unimportant details. The meeting may begin with haste and ambiguity. The fundamental question remains, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That is the kingdom of God. Jesus looks at us and sees us as we really are and loves us with a relentless, self-transcending love. Jesus isn't after our stuff. He isn't after our achievements or anything else. Jesus is after me, and Jesus is after you. And Jesus is after you. Okay? And my prayer is, he doesn't give up until he runs us down. Jesus wants us, who we really are, totally unloaded and stripped of all our baggage, our masks, our finery, or whatever we use to define ourselves for ourselves and for others. Jesus still says, get rid of everything that is not really who you are. Maybe someone else can use it. But you don't need it anymore because I love you more than words can say. More than life itself. 
This is the person that ended up hanging on a cross. Remember that? I want you with me now and forever. Can I get an amen? amen. Thank you. The closing hymn for this morning is number 117. If you're able, would you stand and let's join together in song. Once again, thank you, beautifully sung. You're singing like Methodists, that's good. Would you join me in the benediction? No, no we got it. Oh, you've got the benediction? Oh, benediction, sorry. Sorry, I was doing our closing, forgive me. You're on. Good. Would you join me in the benediction? I love it that he's excited to, to do his stuff, man. I mean, it's great. We go into the world once more. God, make us instruments of your peace and love. We go out to spread the good news. It says that we are loved for who we are. Such good news may seem too good to be true, but it is true all the same. God, go with us. Amen.
Yes. 